that wasn't meaning, and that was going out in a blaze of glory. It's just a song I chose to play. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey, uh, I just want to take a moment again to uh, welcome those watching online. Uh, happy that you came, hung out with us today. Uh, come on in in person sometime. We'd love to meet you, and welcome to everybody here this morning. I'm glad you guys also came out. Um, uh, I said last week, you know, we can have fun in church, and we can have fun in church. I, I, think, I think I'm a rule breaker. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So uh, let's, just, let's just enjoy it. And right now, today, I just feel like you all are sleeping. I haven't even started yet. So uh, unless we need a little bit of live, liveliness to enter us this morning. And if you don't, I'm going to stop, and we're going to do calisthenics. Okay. <laughs> There's somebody who does not want to do a jumping jack. <laughs> How's that? So anyway, uh, let's get going this morning. Uh, you know, it's just amazing what God has been doing in this church so far, and I just feel so blessed to be part of it with you all alongside this ministry journey. It's amazing. So if you were here, if you were here last week. Um, you saw that I put up a couple photos of just a couple projects that I had built in the past um, while I was uh, a woodworker, whatever you want to say, cabinet maker, fill in the blank. And, and the point was last week was that I worked on the, these projects by myself because I wouldn't allow anyone else to, to mess them up. I didn't want any. And, and that was... And that was me back then in my early 20s, in my mid-20s. I just didn't want anybody else messing up the stuff. Um, and, but later, but later as, I got, as I got older and, and I guess, I guess more, more mature in things, um, I started to actually teach, teach people um, how to do what I was doing and to be and to be better, and I would give out all my my secret sauce, if you will. I just tell them everything because I kind of I kind of changed everything that I did. And this was, of course, after I realized that I was just so filled up with this arrogant pride on what I could do that I never embraced having a team. I now embrace having a team. I embrace. Teamwork, and if you know me at all, and what I talk about, and what I say as far as running the church, it's all about being a team, which is can't be any further away from what I was in my mid twenties when I did everything alone. Now, as a leader, um, as a leader in the in the wood shop cabinet world, I always paid attention, and I still do in the ministry as well. Um, to what, what each person's skills are, what, what they do the best. And then I, what I did back then is I'd always figure out, okay, if we have all these skills, let's take these skills and put them to work for everybody and we will get more accomplished, right? I mean, that's the idea behind working as a team, taking everybody and let them working. So, so one of the people that, that I worked really closely with, and it wasn't it, it doesn't, don't make it sound like it's nepotism, but it was my brother. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I worked really closely with my brother in this cabinet shop. And I, again, I taught him everything that, that he needed. And he became like really extremely skilled at whatever he was doing. 
And, um, and because I taught him, it was awesome because he would do things a lot of the way that I did it. But, you know, he would have his own little things that he would do. Um, so this one time, um, I'm, I'm in the office. And, and this client came in that, that we had did work for before, came in, and, and he requested that I worked on the project that he was wanting accomplished. And I'm like, that's, you know, man, sorry, that's just really not my job anymore. I was doing the engineering and design, design work and stuff like that, but I wasn't doing any of the building. But I said, hey, I'll tell you what, here's the deal. I'll design it. And I will have my brother, I will make sure that my brother, Ken, builds this thing. And, um, and the thing that they wanted built was, it was kind of this cool thing. Um, it was called a Zoom bed. And what it was, was like it was an upside down garage door. And it was electronic, it was electric, so you press a button on this remote control and this bed would roll out. Uh, from the front of this cabinet that looked like this entertainment center and it kind of just came out in the bed and then it rolled back up. So it's called the Zoom bed. It was a super cool thing. I mean, basically what this is is a modern version of a Murphy bed. All right, you know what I'm saying? So, so it, it, was, it was awesome. And anyway, the project turned out absolutely perfect. It was amazing and uh, hard for me to admit because I didn't build it, okay? You know what I'm saying? But he did an awesome job on it. But the deal that I made with the uh, client was that um, um, he, he would go with the project, but I had to be part of the install. I had to go and install this thing. So, of course, um, I took, I took uh, uh, my brother with me, and we headed down to this really fancy condo on the, store, on the shore of uh, uh, Lake Superior. So it was just this cool place. And uh, uh, the homeowners were there when we got there. We, we unloaded and we started working, uh, my brother and we started working about, it was about mid-morning and Ken and I sat there for just a few minutes and we discussed the best way. Let's see, what's our strategy? What's the best way? Let's get this done. Uh, we wanted to get in and out as quick as possible. So we, we, you know, we were only there about three hours start to finish, which was pretty good because it was just tough just getting the stuff in the building and and during this time that we were working we had no idea but the owner of this condo was 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 watched us and he watched us and, and we uh, we weren't paying attention we were just working and as we were cleaning up the project was in it was working as we were cleaning up he came in and he complimented he said oh guys you know hey this is really great the finished product was good and he said he said but before you leave he said after you get everything out before you leave I want to I want to speak with you and my brother and I are like what did we do wrong? Did we do something wrong? What was, what was going on? What did we say? Did, did we damage something that we didn't know about? The guy, I felt like, you know, like the principal saying, I want to see you in my office, you know. But no, but that wasn't even close to what he wanted. I mean, you know how our minds go away from us, right? He said, he said uh, uh, you know, after we got everything cleaned up, we walked back into the, we walked back into the apartment and he goes, he goes, do you guys realize that that you started working since the moment that you started w actually working, that neither one of you spoke a single word to each other? And, and we're like, uh, we didn't realize it. And he goes, I watched you guys for quite some time work, and, and whenever one of you needed something, the other would hand it to him 
without speaking. You never asked. You just, it, it was there in the hand of what you needed. It, whenever a piece needed to be installed, you both grabbed what you needed for that and, and you put it together. He said, you knew exactly what had to be done. You, neither one of you spoke a word. It was like you were reading each other's minds. And, and, and the guy's just there looking at us, and I'm like, well, I said, well, you know, I designed it. Ken built it. Talking really isn't necessary. You know, it's not a necessary part of what we were doing. And, and then I told him, I said, and, and not to mention, we're brothers here, so that has another element. We're brothers. And so, so but he says, you know, I, I, I get that. He said, but I've never seen anyone work as well together as a team, like a team as the two of you, I've never seen this before because you just didn't speak a word. But, but both Ken and I, we both knew each other's strengths and we allowed each other to take the lead without speaking about it in each one of these stages of this project. We just didn't talk. And even though we were being closely watched by this guy, the client wasn't aware of what was happening in the unseen. He wasn't aware of what was happening behind the scenes of, of how we knew what we were going to do. He didn't know what was happening in the silence of us working on this project. Now, isn't it true that, that a successful uh, project takes everyone doing their part? I mean, no matter what, I mean, even if you're going to do everything totally by yourself, right, you still have to go purchase the materials, and if you can actually purchase them, then the person you're purchasing from is actually doing their part, everything goes better, doesn't it, right? You know what I'm saying? I, I, I mean, when everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing in any project, working together, everything is just better. Isn't it just better? It's, it's, isn't it more fun? Isn't, doesn't things just seem more simple and less stressful when, when everybody's working together? I mean, think about yourself. You know, maybe, maybe you get a family day and you say, today we're going to clean the house. And everybody's cleaning the house. Well, what happens if one person isn't doing their thing? Maybe, maybe it's, it's like what Annette and I used to do because I hated grocery shopping. We would divide and conquer, right? You take that side of the store, I'll take this side of the store. Well, if if one of us wasn't doing right, you're not getting it done, right? Or, you know, or just think anything you want to fill in that blank. It could be something at work. It could be your partner, whatever the case may be. And isn't it frustrating when one element of that process is missing, that element being someone not doing their part? I mean, seriously, think about it. Let's be real for a second. Don't you just want to take that person, grab them by the shirt, and just say, Get with the program! Don't you? I mean, maybe that's just me, but that's what I want to do. It's so much nicer, so much easier when we're all working together. And, and this isn't a new concept at all because God, God had this discussion with Moses, Moses in this very same subject. And this morning, we're going to be looking at the book of Numbers, okay? And I know for some of you who, who you know, spend a lot of time in the Word, somebody's actually preaching out of the book of Numbers? <laughs> really? Yeah, I am. <laughs> so there we go. So let me just tell you about the first two chapters of, of Numbers. It lists all the clans and all these names and how many men were each one of these clans and families. And to be honest, it is insanely boring. 
I, it is. It's just insanely boring to read that portion. But, but at this time in history, we have to, we have to know as, as, as we get through the first couple chapters, at this point in, in history, the church, Moses' church, was actually a portable church. Now, granted, they didn't have, uh, you know, trailers pull, you know, being pulled behind pickups to get to the place, but it was, it was literally a portable church church and Moses and the Israelites they kept they weren't going from um, you know like from home to your establishment no they were just wandering through the desert this whole time and they were in pursuit of the promised land that that the Lord had directed them to said hey the promised land this is going to be yours and they were in pursuit of this in the desert and and at this point Moses is hanging out with God on Mount Sinai Okay, so this is where we're going to pick up. And, and the Lord says to Moses, be in the tribe of Le bring the tribe of Levi and present them to Aaron the priest to assist him. There to perform the duties for him and the whole community at the end of the tent of meeting by doing the work of the tabernacle. There to take care of all the furnishings of the tent meeting, fulfilling the obligations of the Israelites by doing the work of the tabernacle. This entire tribe, this, the, this of, of the Levites, of Levi, were there to serve Aaron, and they were there to serve the priests, and they were there to serve the needs of the congregation and the needs of the tabernacle itself, this particular group of people. So, I mean, God tells Moses, to have these people do it this way. Put people in charge of certain things. So you could say that God was like the first ever project manager. Here's the project. Let's manage this project, right? So he's letting Moses, hey, you know what, Moses? There's order and there's organization to this. So let's get together and let's get the people around you and let's do this. God wanted to let the Levites know that, hey, you know what? You weren't going to just do what you wanted to do. No, no, no. There was going to be a system to this, and you're not going to sit there, and you're not going to do your own thing. This is going to be organized. So God told Moses to give each family the specific task to do, and, and, and that's what Moses relayed. So, and here's one example of, of, of what that would look like. So we'll look at Numbers 3, starting in 25. At the end of the tent meeting, uh, the Gershonites were responsible for the care of the tabernacle and the tent. This is only one of the examples. They were the care of the tabernacle and the tent, its coverings, the curtain at the entrance into the tent of meeting, the curtains of the courtyard, the curtain of the entrance to the courtyard surrounding the tabernacle, the altar and the ropes, and everything related to their use. This was the direction just of the Gershonites, okay? So that's, that's what he had them know. That was their responsibility. And the rest of chapter 3 is just like this. It's just rotating of families and what each one wanted to be put together, how each responsibility of each family. And each one of these families, they had their role to play in doing the work of the tabernacle. God made them all dependent on each other to do the work. They were all working as a team, but they were all working independently. Do you get what I'm saying? All the Levites were all equally dedicated to God. There was nobody higher or lower, and God was equally dedicated to them. But the thing is, 
None of them, none of the families had the exact same work to perform. It was, never, it was never God's intent to make us all the same, was it? He made us all different. And for everyone on the planet, he did not want us all to be exactly the same and have all the exact skills and to do everything exactly the same. That was not his intent. He doesn't want everybody to have the same abilities. Like, like, you know, like Ken and I, for example, we were both equally skilled, but we were skilled in different things, right? We weren't skilled in the same thing. We had different skills, but we were both equally skilled. And we used that to our advantage, being different and using those differences to work together for one common goal. For one common goal, using those. And today's, and today's church is no different than when God told Moses to give those assignments to the Levites. It's no different. Today's church is no different. Or it's no different than like the Bob and Ken show that we put on for the guy that we didn't even realize we were putting on. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. Can I say that again? Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. Help each other. Now, if we, look, if we look in the book of Romans, Paul says the church is like one body. One body. Many parts looking different, doing different jobs, meeting different needs, some more visible, some less visible. But you know what? It's all essential. Everybody's essential. And because we're all essential, Paul says, hey, you know what? Don't ever think that you are better than someone else for doing something different, especially if it's visible. Let's look what Romans 12, 4 says. It says, we'll start in 4 through uh, 8. For just, as, for just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not have all the same function. Sound familiar? So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us, given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then Give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. just stop for just a second this is a really hard message for me to preach personally okay this is really hard and difficult for me so I just want to let you know that because I'm always transparent but this isn't this isn't it, it, I don't I don't even know what to say beyond that it's just that I struggle with this I had a net and I've always struggled with with this message because I, I I don't preach it very often so just so you know I'm struggling with this one. Um, so the church is one body. 
one complete body with individual people. Meaning we should all be in unity, but not be in uniform or be the same. Do you know what I'm saying? It, it's through God's grace that he gave each one of us in here different talents. He gave us different abilities. And that ability or that talent is not given out of some, not given to, to someone um, because they're more worthy some, than someone else, but because, but because God chose to give that talent or that ability to those that he wants to give each one to. And they're never going to be the same. And this illustration that Paul gives as a physical body is to let us know that we have, to, we have to depend on each other. Each one of us have to depend on each other and using those gifts and those abilities that God has given us to work together for the greater good. For example, okay, let's look at our eyes. Our eyes are made to function as what? So you can see, right? Our eyes are made to function so we can see. However, our eyes were not made to function and they won't function very well as ears. We're not going to hear from our eyes. And I'll tell you what, I'm not sure about you, but I can't see out the side of my head because that's not the function of the eyes or the ears. They were never created to do the same thing, just like us. Like Ken and I installing that Zoom bed, we worked differently, but yet in unity. And the same with Moses having each family do their portion of the work. So today, what I'm calling today is Serve Sunday. Serve Sunday. And I don't preach this message very often because, like I said, I struggle with this message and I don't know why I have just always struggled with a message like this. Not this message, but in this Serve Sunday. And I'll probably do this once a year. So I, 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 and it's not one that I, I look forward to, but it's one that I need to do. And right now, some of you are probably thinking, oh boy, there he goes. There's pastor. Churches always have a hidden agenda when I come in. They're always needing something. It can never be, you know, we can never just sit back. Oh, no, he, they need something. They're always going to ask something. But I am telling you right now, that is not my purpose of this message. I'm not trying to guilt you into doing anything you don't want to do for church. I'm not trying to make you feel an obligation to this church. Or if you go to another church, I'm not trying to make you feel an obligation. And I do not have a hidden agenda. If anybody ever knows me, I don't hide and have any type of hidden agendas ever. What I want to do is give you the opportunity to be blessed by God. God. And some of you are like, what does that even mean? How can serving the church possibly bless me? Listen to this proverb. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. This is a promise from God. Be a blessing and he's going to bless you. And there's so many blessings that we can experience by serving others and serving the church. We can experience a joy and peace we didn't know we had if you're doing it with the proper motive, if you're doing it with the right heart. We can experience an increase 
increases in our faith because we're getting to be more like God's heartbeat. We can experience new relationships because we're hanging around with people. And I'll tell you right now, I could spend hours telling you stories of, of, of all my serving experiences and how much it has helped me personally in my personal growth. And I could spend hours sharing my passion for why I place such a high value on serving, and it's not because of what you think. But you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to sit there. Instead, what I want you to do is I want you to begin your own story. I want you to have your own story that you can tell. And I know, I know historically in churches and in so many churches, there's this typical thought process saying, oh, once you agree to help out, they suck you in like this out-of-control vacuum on this hyper-warp speed and you're sucked into this bag and you can't see out and you can't get out of this because that church just holds you there and you can't and it's so awful and I can tell you right now personally I've not only seen this I have lived this in churches I've been that person I've felt overwhelmed I felt overworked I felt unappreciated undervalued and most of all I felt frustrated because they just sucked me in and they won't let me go. And any time I tried to, to say I couldn't, they guilted me into doing that. To helping out and doing something that I really couldn't do or I didn't have time to do because I was so overworked in the church. This is not what we want here. And this is not what I want here. I don't want to ever hear anybody say that serving in the church that I have to go serve at church I don't want anybody to say I have to I want people to say I get to I want people to say I get to serve at church and that's never going to happen if you're feeling that overwhelmed it's never going to happen if you fill in the blank on what I just discussed it's not going to happen it, because it's not the way it should be. And it's not going to be what it happens here. Our desire is to have every person at this church do one thing. One simple thing, but do it well. Don't be spread thin. Let's do one thing, and let's do that one thing well. We really, and I can't tell you my heartbeat, my passion, I really don't want anyone feeling stressed out or burned out, and anybody that serves at the church now knows when they ask if they can do something, oftentimes I say, no, you're doing enough, and you're not going to do that anymore, and I've told that to Pam so many times, no, and other people sitting right back there too, no, you're doing enough. I don't want you to do, I'll do it myself before I have you do it. I don't want you to be burnt out. Just don't. And our ask at this church, at Rock River Community Church, is if you choose to serve, and it's your choice, if you choose, I, I'm not a guy with many rules. Here's the ask. You show up when you're scheduled. You have a servant's attitude. 
And most of all, I want you to have fun because we can have fun in church. And let me, let, and here's something because of this whole time thing that we always think time, time, time. We'll give money, but we won't give time. Let me break this down into numbers. Who likes numbers? I like numbers. You know I like numbers? Because numbers don't lie. So, so based on a 30-day calendar, there's 720 hours or 43,200 minutes in a month in 30 days. Okay, the minimum, the minimum that we would ask here to help would be 60 of those minutes. And truth is, most of you are already here anyway. So it's not even a big ask, right? Because you're here anyway. So quick math is going to show you that there's 43,140 other minutes in a month to do whatever else you need to do. Let's put this into perspective. Here's a percentage, 0.14%. Barely over a tenth of a percent, not even a 1%. And I know, and yes, depending on what you decide to help, there are some that are, are more areas where it takes more time, and, and I understand, and I get that. But I understand that it's, it's a lot easier for us just to sit and, and, and take it all in. We did that between churches one time. We it was supposed to be a six-month, we're just going to go to church, but it was maybe more like, what, six days, three weeks? Three months, and then we were back involved. It's easier. I know it's, I know it's easier. It seems easier not to be involved. And, but I want to be clear that I'm not so much really talking about us at this church, particularly because I've never preached this message, and a lot of us have never been asked to do anything, and you're like, why are you giving me this, and you've never asked me to help? Oh, I understand that. But in my past experience, <laughs> in my past experiences, as, as a pastor, I've heard so many, so many things, so many uh, um, times, pastor, you know, I know you're asking me to help, but I, I already work way too much, and I'm way, way too tired. And, and, I, and, and you know what? I get that. I get that. But listen, listen, what did that proverb just say? A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be, will be, yeah, do you want to be refreshed? Give a serving a try. I hear, I've heard things like, you know what? I don't think there's really anything that I'm able to do in church. I don't think I really have any skills. Really? How hard is it to hand out a bulletin? Do you know what I mean? That's something, it's small, do it well. No commitment, right? Do you see what I'm saying? Or pass the offering bucket or, or um, anything like that. But here's a reminder from God. God doesn't call the equipped, not usually. He equips the called. So don't worry about it. God's going to have it. I've heard, I've heard, you know, pastor, I would serve, 
But I sit next to this guy every week, and he does nothing. So if he's doing nothing, why do I need to do something? Right? I mean, and, but, but the truth is, is most of us have no idea what happens in the unseen. Right? I'll give you some examples. You know, even though there's some more visible, we see the ushers come, we see the greeters at the door, we see the people at the coffee cart, we see the teachers, but there's a lot of things that aren't unseen. Very few people see how the snow miraculously gets removed from the parking lot. Very few people see when there's the lawn crew out there mowing our lawns, which is done voluntarily. Very few uh, see who does the maintenance and repairs at the church. We don't see all that. So how do we know that somebody sitting right next to us isn't doing those very things? And then there's, and then there's the good old excuse of saying, hey, you know what, Pastor, I just, I'd love to, but, but I just don't have the time to spare. And that's when I give them the numbers. <laughs> you know? And you're here anyway. Do you see what I'm saying? And the truth is, is all these things, and I'm not, it's not so much, uh, these are just things I've heard. I haven't heard that, you know, from here because I haven't done this, so let me be clear on that. And, and the truth is, though, that all these things, these excuses that I've heard in the past is just a way of justifying something that, that they know they had to do or they should be doing but don't feel like doing. It's just a justification. John Mark wrote in the Bible, he says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life for ransom for many. Christ came to serve. So why should, why should we be any different? Why should we not have that same attitude to serve? And, and I know, I, I understand in this next comment that I say here may not make any sense, but, but you need to serve, and it doesn't matter at this church, and I'm not saying this church, and I'm not even saying, you need to serve, serve someone, sometime, somewhere, okay? You need to serve more than we at this church need you to serve. It's more important you, for you to serve than it is for our needs. Because serving is, is, is more about personal growth in your lives. It's, it, it's, 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 it's going to increase your faith. Serving allows you to experience God's presence. And most of all, serving is just good for your soul. Doesn't it make you feel good when you're doing something for someone else? Can I have a raise of hands? Doesn't it make you feel good when you're doing something for someone else? Knowing that need to be done. Today, if you, if you, <laughs> what we've done, if you're feeling that tug on your heart, and again, I am not saying you have to, so please don't misread me, okay? Please don't misread me. And please don't ever think that you're going to be judged by anything. All right? This is not that church. Can I be clear on that? Do I have to be clear? Can I say that again? This is not that church. I get seasons of life. Totally get seasons of life. 
But if you're feeling that tug, you know, hey, I can do something. Out in the lobby, we do have some papers, sign-ups, and tables out there. You can sign up. Because it's our vision that if everybody is doing something to complete the body of Christ, then how much more fulfilling is it going to be for our church? How much smoother is it going to run? Because we're all in it together. And I can't emphasize that teamwork. If, you're, if, if you were sitting on our board, and if you were sitting with anybody, it's all teamwork, 100%. And that's what it takes. But let me just leave you, Abraham, if you want to get ready, um, with just this comment about serving, especially at this church. It's not a life sentence. We're not going to suck you in and not let you go. We will suck you in to love you. spend time with you. We will be there when you need us to be there because that's the church we are. But if you want to serve, it's not between you and I. It's not between even you and your spouse, spouse or whoever. It's between you and God. for this because I have been that person that has horribly been taken advantage of. Horribly. And I will never allow that to happen. So please understand that. And if you don't, and if you're having trouble believing my heart, ask someone who knows me in this church and they will let you know that it is paramount for me not to have anyone be burnt out or frustrated. And I'm apologizing for any little glitch that something happens because I don't want people to be frustrated. Okay? That's where it is. This is why this is a tough message for me to preach. Because by nature, my nature nature, not what I've learned, I'll do it myself. I love to serve. I'll do it myself, but I know I can. 